You are listening to Health Healing and Hampton Roads. And today we are going to talk about health care, but perhaps not in the way that you think. So I am so excited to have with me today Arthi Kumar Jane. Did I say that correctly? You did, you did. Woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> so Arthi, tell us about your connection to Hampton Roads. So I actually have been in Hampton Roads now for about 10 years. Um, and love, love, love this area. My husband actually, uh, before we got married, he'd lived here. And we, our one decision that we got married was we both wanted to be near the water. So our compromise well, is Hampton Roads. Um, Absolutely. Yes. So what brought you here then? Other than your husband. Oh, other than that. <laughs> well, honestly, um, so the water was a big component, mm-hmm. of course. And then Knowing what my first position here was actually with the Hampton Newport News Community Services Board. I was looking for some jobs when I just moved from South Carolina. And that position allowed me to take mental health and education because that's kind of what my background is. Mm -hmm. And really go into the schools and did, did assessments but really got to help what's called a therapeutic day treatment staff really build their skills to be able to work with the students. And... Um, I did that for a little bit, and then um, I went on maternity leave for a few years, and so I, a few years meaning a few years, I wanted to be able to, I had the privilege of being home with my kids, but still doing stuff on the side, like webinars and seminars and things like that. Mm-hmm. So explain a little bit more. What's your training? What's your passion? Like, what do you do here in Hampton Roads? Sure. So I was actually trained under elementary education. Okay. I, I worked um, back in high school and college. I worked in and volunteered in hospitals, um, child care centers, and then I started off my career working actually in early childhood. Then I switched into working in elementary ed when I realized, okay, I really want to pursue this. So I decided to get a, you have, I went for my master's. My undergrad is in psychology and um, a minor in peace and conflict resolution. So I really love the aspect of always incorporating conflict resolution in many aspects because it's such a fundamental skill. Um, then, in the years that I was doing my elementary ed career, I really started focusing on the social-emotional. So I was known as a softie on my team, so a lot of the kids that were considered either the troubled children or the kids who had some concerns, I definitely really loved working with them. And I actually implemented having us go out to do some home visits and things that could really get us engaged in making sure we were reaching families where they needed to be met. In that process, I decided to to go for my next master's in clinical mental health counseling. At that time, it was called community um, mental health counseling. We now have adjusted the name to clinical mental health counseling, but I th- it's all the same, really. You know, okay. t- you know names. Sure. You know, you know things have to keep, they have to keep it <laughs> they have fresh. They have to keep it fresh. No, exactly. Shift, shift it around sometimes. Yes. So in that process, worked in transitional housing with women through Salvation Army was my internship, worked in private practice, worked in hospital settings down in South Carolina. So I feel like I've been privileged to work in a lot of different settings, um, which has been really, really beneficial. And what brings it here to Hampton Roads currently is that I decided to branch out on my own. And um, that came through personal experience. My mom um, was diagnosed with cancer back in 2018, end stage, stage four, ovarian cancer. And through her experience and walking alongside, it just shaped everything. Mm. I really took mm-hmm. a deeper dive into health. I've always been curious about what are triggers and what what does it look like, but I really took a deeper dive in that process on, on nutrition, health. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, what could we do? At that point, 
for those of us who had someone that we're close to that's diagnosed with a chronic illness or something that's fatal, we definitely are trying to do the same, right? Trying to save them. Yes, So right. you go into a full force research, what can I find, what can I do? And that's kind of what um, led through the journey. So we walked alongside. Mm-hmm. I in, my pro- in the process and helping her, I also became, I was vegetarian, I became vegan. Okay. A lot of, a lot of personal changes were happening sure, while sure. professionally. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, after her passing, um, so she was she was living with us. After her passing, I walked into her room, and um, even though we are Hindu by nature, uh, I grew up in a very spiritual house. So, okay. she, so she had what's called the Bhagavad Gita, which is the Bible of the Hindus, is what I call it. And literally, out pops these handwritten life stages. If if anyone knows about Eric Erickson um, from from psychology, he had these life stages that were written down like. Um, basically from birth to to end stage. And so my mom had labeled them like birth, childhood, um, and I'm not going to say it eloquently enough, but you, know, okay. you get the gist That's of okay. it. Yes. Um, and then love and marriage, ch- like all of these life stages mm-hmm. and grandparenthood. And then then there was a dot, dot, dot at the very end. And I actually have it on my website because I, I basically scanned in that because it, it, it's the driving force. So after that, I was, and I'm a big alternative health practitioner for myself, so Reiki is an energy force. I literally had had done some self-treatment, which is just all energy healing, and it just clicked. You, It's all intuition. And so I basically started this organization, nonprofit called Dia Holistic Life Care. Dia means light in Hindi, and every day that my mom was able to, she would light a candle or mm-hmm. the, uh, and mm-hmm. so that comes from that inspiration. And holistic in my uh, aspect is like, how do we look at people for their whole, their whole selves, right? Okay. Not just compartmentalizing to mental health or, but it's all related, our mental, our physical, and our spiritual health. And yes. Okay, okay, okay. So we have to unpack this just a little, this yes. is so amazing. So a couple of shout outs, first of all. The way you're talking about being holistic, I re- it really resonates with me because public health is that way, right? Mm-hmm. So it's looking at groups of people yes. um, motivated by people like your mom and their life experience and trying to figure out how can we help them. But it's, it's you know, let's be technical, interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary. Yes. That's one thing that popped in. <laughs> also, want to give a shout out to our School of Education here at North State University because we do train folks <laughs> who are interested in early education. So just one. Yes. <laughs> but one of the things that I really like about what you're saying, too, is you know I've worked with college students and uh, advising them about their careers and their interests and I think sometimes there's this pressure what do you want to do what's Mm. your major you know what's the straight line path from here to here and it's not always a straight line Mm. because Mm. I'm hearing you responding to your life experience to your passions to your you know you you got married and then circumstances changed Mm -hmm. and then sometimes you have to pivot or you want to react so what do you think about that? hundred percent. And I want to say that for a long time, I beat myself up because I didn't go that standard route, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Being of the Asian subculture, it's either doctor, lawyer, whatever the third engineer. Mm-hmm. I branched out. And at that time, you know, it was very much, and I had a very supportive mom who, as you said, just follow your passion. It's not always that way. So I just want to remind you, even if you don't have a support and effort, you have to follow your gut because education is and, and I remember my father-in-law always says, it's the one thing that no one can take away from you. And I, and he's a hundred percent right. Like it is your gift to yourself, just a part of 
when when I think of self care, I'm almost like education is self care, like because it's mm. for you. Mm-hmm. And I and I think it's important to note that it it is about your process. And so I finally stopped beating myself up because it is part of this idea of the journey, right? right like, right. And so I just want to. I'm glad you brought that up um, because it is the fact that it is such a driven like. And, and they say these kids are going to really, I'm talking about like these kids, like I'm that much older. <laughs> but the fact is that they are going to change their career, not oh, right. their job, like 10 different times. Right, right. And that's okay. Like, so I think acknowledging the fact that you may not know what you want to do right away, because I'm an example of that, it's okay. Like I, I've changed so many different times, but it's all related. It all intertwines and relates. Right, right. And, and, and you know, again, in some communities, people have to have, I mean, well, everybody has to have support, right? You have yes. to have finances and money in yes. order to have housing and yes. food and all of that. So we don't want to negate that. No. But I think it's also great. Like the best combination of job, I think, is where um, your passion aligns with your skills yes. and what you're being asked to do. Yes. So, you know, everyone doesn't manage to do that and mm-hmm. that's okay. But mm-hmm. I think for students who are in college, especially because they're exploring, you know, they can take a little bit of time to figure totally. that out. And I, I just, yeah, I, I want to encourage those first semesters to, to do that. Like, go there and try out if, you know, go go deviate a little bit from the major you thought you wanted to explore those for those first two years. Because I did get to take a visual arts literacy class when you're, when you are in liberal arts program. But someone who's already on that left side of their brain and they don't get to explore, mm-hmm. I think it's important to, to just go there because... Because right. that's you never know what's going to happen. No, and that right. merge of of being able to use all of all of it, it will come through. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think I learned somewhere that innovation sometimes is just about taking lessons learned in one field to another field. Like that's totally. one way to innovate. Yes. So if you're training in computer science and you learn some dynamic or insight, and then you go back into music or the art world. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've never heard about that. Exactly. Well, let me tell you. Yes. <laughs> totally. And vice versa, may I add. <laughs> yes. Totally. I love what we do left, right brain. And that's what they're doing for kids right now. It's called STEAM. Yes, yes. STEAM, not STEM, not we're really putting in that art in there now, right? Right, right. right left correspondence with the brain. Right. They're getting it that they so need to that. So spell it out that science, technology, arts, yes, engineering, engineering math you got instead it, yes. of STEM. Yes. Um, and then they also have STEM H, yes. which adds health professions right. to it. So Oh, STEM H. H. And now there's also a stream which they want to put in literacy in there too. See, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so stream H. All the <laughs> I'm going to talk to UVA about putting in that Stream H. Stream H. You heard it here, folks. We just created a new track. Yes. <laughs> a, new, a new way to bring all those things together. And again, you know, it's, it's interesting and, and to think about, but the reason that we do this in academia is because cancer, um, diabetes, uh, lack of access to high quality foods, um, you know, lack of access to jobs. These are complex issues yes. that we're trying to address. And so, you know, academics and, and people who are in not-for-profits all around are really thinking about how can we bring to bear all of this expertise? If we approach it in a multi-pronged way as, as teams together, mm-hmm. then hopefully we'll get, you know, make even more progress totally. to address them. Totally. So tell us more about what your not-for-profit does. Sure. So it is coaching through the lifespan. So for instance, it's uh, so we call it um, a womb to tomb. So the idea is looking at supporting in those, um, even in those early 
uh, years of health coaching for the, for the for the mom and prenatal health was as one component that I'm trained under for health coaching, and then of course carrying out. Um, I really have a passion for uh, looking at chronic illness, especially our diabetes, our chronic health here in um, Hampton Roads. Really, if you look at our our numbers in Hampton Roads for children and, and diabetes it, as compared to the state of Virginia and nationwide, we, we do have an epidemic here. And it's not even, for a long time it was silent, and now we're realizing it's a real, real big concern. And so... Um, a lot of what I really am focusing on is programs that incorporate health, wellness, and making sure that kids are getting that whole balance plate. So a lot of the programs, so I am a community partner with American Diabetes Association to um, provide a program called Project Power. Okay. So that's an aspect of looking at that whole idea behind movement and nutrition in a really great six-week program that can be done. But um, and then also uh, cancer support, like how do we get into helping families with cancer or the patient? And oftentimes the latest pull for me has been introducing mindfulness practices as part of self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do uh, also with grief work at the end of, uh, I am what's called a certified um, grief recovery specialist. Okay. That's an education program. So I'm, I kind of always wear my therapeutic hat but I'm not doing therapy there anymore. We have great clinicians that are um, able to, to provide those services. But we do now, I work under the umbrella of coaching, which is that little bit of that delicate balance between you. We have some folks who do need to have be seen clinically, of course, if they're diagnosed or in there in that spot. And, and um, I do referrals out for that. But in some instances, we have some needs for coaching and for education-based programs. So not everyone, <coughs> excuse me, would need grief counseling, mm-hmm. but they may need a grief program. And that's something that I'm able to do as well as um, uh, provide that safe haven for. Okay. So are you typically, so, so how do you get connected with people that you would serve? So you're working with other organizations? Yes. That, okay. yes. For instance, just did an activities workshop for activity professionals um, that are in this area. One organization is called Leading Age of Virginia. So they're activity professionals that are literally working with our seniors. So I did a presentation for them working on self-care. But then also in that process, I also gave them strategies to do use with their the seniors they work with. And self-care really came down to how do we engage in mindfulness practices like just in the moment, Mm -hmm. taking a little bit of encouragement of breath work because everything that I have seen, if we help people to become more present focused in that moment, the the mind, body, spirit alignment can really settle in. So uh, that has become a big focus of mine is making sure whatever I start, we literally give folks a few minutes to settle into their mm-hmm. space. And I will see everyone sees the benefit of what that looks like. Um, so it depends. Different referral partners. OK. OK. That yes. sounds great. So just to back up just a second. When yes. You said it's silent. Would you explain what you I know what you mean, but would you explain what you mean by that? <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. So for a long time, I think it was masked our 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 our. We w- I think it's been growing, right, this exponential. Like we have a family friend who is also our pediatrician, and we talk a lot about this chronic illness with, with children and the fact that it's been silent for so long, meaning we didn't really address it. And now that we're seeing kids actually dying from from diabetes, mm-hmm, or so mm-hmm. not only is it fatality, but then the ones who would literally, if you think about pumping yourself up with insulin and 
and how it impacts their school day. Some kids are out of school. We Mm -hmm. have some kids who are actually not able to even come in. I just want to remind everyone that diabetes is, is, we've taken it for granted that, yeah, we just thought it was this sugar issue that Mm -hmm. you just sometimes need to lower. No, this actually turns into chronic illness for other factors. So it's multifaceted and multidimensional, and especially for students and our children who it does impact every one of those cycles of wellness we're talking about, their physical, mental, and their spiritual health. Um, Because we all know when kids are out of school, how off balance it is for them and to how much they miss. Including socially. Yes, thank you. And (laughs) their social selves, right? Right. They, Mm -hmm. especially now that we're in this post pandemic period, we we really want to address the children that need, they need to be in an environment where they get to learn and to be in that social setting. But, Mm -hmm. Um, so what I mean by silent is not acknowledging the fact that it, how impactful it can truly be. And so that education is coming in now mm-hmm, through various mm-hmm. sources. Like this is something we really need to address. Right, right. I mean, and I've heard that about other chronic illnesses as well. They seem to be affect like heart disease. Mm-hmm. It seems to be affecting younger people mm-hmm. in a way that it didn't before. Um, and also connecting uh, the silent killer because heart disease is one and diabetes in part because you can't really look at a person. Yes. You, know, you can have diabetes and be quote unquote thin, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you can have heart disease and be fit. Yes. <laughs> so, and so these are things that, you know, we need to connect with professionals to see what is our health condition, yes. you know, how, you know, in, ter- in terms of these markers. Yes. Um, and not just assume because somebody's 12 years old that they're not. You know, Absolutely. dealing with or their body is not dealing with some yes. of these issues, for example. And thank you for saying that because whatever we, yes, everybody's overloaded in the system, and yes, your preventative well check may not happen right away, but put yourself on the and put your children on there on that list on that list because we a lot of folks have gone a few years without getting oh, a right. Preventive, right? Mm-hmm. So just my encouragement is to make sure we still are are getting that done because things have changed drastically in our bodies in the last last three years right um, right and yeah so back to the mindfulness um that is not religious right it's no not, it's not connected. No. it may i mean it may be connected to someone's religious practice but it doesn't have to be it doesn't right? and thanks for bringing that felicia because i think it's so important to make sure we acknowledge the fact that mindfulness is a practice that is again like education no one can take it away from you it is yours so that's why i love it it's free easy access and yes what has happened, John Kabat-Zinn is someone who has done a lot of work with it. He took the Buddhist principles, and what he did was he extracted information from there and really brought it to the West and has done amazing work up at Brown University and has created a program called MBSR, okay. Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. It's used in hospitals. It's used with chronic illness. It's used with, you name it, it's been, the studies are all there, and, um, and the benefits are there. And so what happens is now we don't have to call it that religious umbrella that people often get really tangled up in right and i just want to remind everyone that you know sometimes we get enmeshed in in what we think we know or definitions and but really until you experience something so i always say give it a shot what's the worst that's going to happen to just take one breath and and which we're already doing but literally closing our eyes for a second or softening our gaze we have to i always come from a trauma informed lens but mm-hmm. you literally give the permission so i have found i gently in wherever i go insert it and give people the chance and opportunity and then they they 
something comes out of it for them, whether mm-hmm. they choose to engage further or they don't, something definitely sparks. And that's what the goal is, right? We're trying right. to invoke sparking of even an alternative health, which is something I really focus a lot on. How can we encourage people to, to take advantage of being a health advocate for themselves, but then also look at alternative approaches to healing, which really nutrition now we realize is part of that cycle that we're realizing what we put into our bodies does affect our health. And that's not alternative, but to do the research or to really engage on how can we be our best selves. Right. So, so when you say alternative, I typically hear alternative medicine, right? It's usually in contrast to needing to go to a physician's office Mm -hmm. or a hospital. And in which case a focus on nutrition is alternative because it's not pharmaceutical Mm -hmm. outcome Mm -hmm. or a treatment outcome. Yes. So, so what does alternative mean to you? Alternative. So I actually, an alternative, um, I'm always looking at under the idea of holistic remedies and, um, I don't even call it alternative anymore in the sphere of energy medicine. Like if you look at energy medicine as part of like mindfulness practices and embracing the idea of like mind body connection and mm-hmm. mind body strength, that idea. Um, so I think we need to also not just focus on out al- when we think of just that allopathic traditional model, most physicians are giving recommendations for what we consider alternative but Mm -hmm. they will say right they will give ideas of like well maybe you want to try essential oil peppermint oil thing in your diffuser like I have seen a lot of them giving other suggestions Mm -hmm. which is again we're trying now to do this idea of how do we bring wellness under one model which Mm -hmm. I think we're getting to so um, my definition is this idea of holistic like what is what does the client need everybody has a different body and we need to pay attention to yes what is it that they need? And we all have different different ways of things that we want to encompass. So always looking at the whole per- the whole person. And right. that's where that comes through, looking at everyone in that, again, I'm going to say it over and over again, that, that, that all those spheres of wellness, which is a whole different con- okay. conversation. <laughs> and is that what holistic means, right? Looking at every aspect of the person, Yes, right? yes. So when one thing is off balance, for, for instance, if our financial wellness is off you and I both know it does affect right. that stress is going to affect your physical health. Right, I might decide right. to shove my face that day with more, right? Like I'm just giving yes, you an example. Right. We, we see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, or how, or how job satisfaction may increase where you were satisfied because you're not right. So right. that's just an example, but it does it always. And so we do a lot with the wellness wheel, um, I do a lot with the wellness wheel wherever I get to go because once we discover that one area is off, then we can see what we can do to highlight that and to start to. I see. So that become that getting to that root is what we're trying to do in everything we're doing and get that wellness wheel. I in in my opinion really can help a person identify where it is and then we can build a plan based off right. of that. <clears throat> nice because sometimes you you may think that your stress is coming from your job, but it's really coming from something else yes. or vice versa. I mean, yes, you know, totally. So those things are interconnected totally. and, and you have to. So how could someone start with something like that, trying to figure out, you know, their, their I don't think you call it your holistic health, but how can they f- sort of start? Where would they go to start if they were inspired by what you're saying and they're trying oh. to figure out what's going on? Well, we all know we do Google. <laughs> Google search it. Look up wellness wheel. With valid, valid Yes, with valid. Though, right? Yes, I always say valid. 
<laughs> Wellness Wheel PDF. Oh, okay. Is if I've discovered there are certain search engines, but a Wellness Wheel, most of them have like they're all around the same. They have actually it started with seven. I believe we're up to nine, but I like the seven model. But it incorporates all of the the financial, the spiritual, the physical. Like when we talk about the dimensions of ourself, mm-hmm. all of it, um, you know, our academic, and it just reminds me again. It reminds me of Howard Gardner who did the uh, the theories of multiple intelligences. So I always look at like, okay, we've got that down on the learning styles. This looks at now how do we look at wellness. So these models that are created in academia, like you were saying earlier, when you apply theories that can really have practicality to the real world, I mm-hmm. think they're amazing. And I think these are two models of integration. Like if we can really help our students really capture how they learn, not all our auditory visual learners, right, right we've right. discovered, and then that other piece. Nice. Okay, so let me make sure I understand. You can Google wellness wheel. Yes. Right. And then, but does it matter where it comes from? That's a great. I always, always want to make yeah. sure. <laughs> always, I always encourage to look for something that's um, in the in the health field. I mean, I did a Google search the other day with Wellness Wheel PDF just mm-hmm. to see what's out there. Okay. And I, most of them were very very credible. Okay. Um, because because they all looked all pretty much all the same. Okay, and that's a good indicator, right? If you, you're seeing commonality, then yes. it's probably, yes. like you said, based on some evidence and research yes. that yes. drives it. And so why I'm saying it's okay for you to, for the individual to look is because it's so visual that I feel like the one that's calling you, that's, again, back to that energy. You'll feel it and then look at it. And then literally just marinate on looking at what it looks like to you. And there's going to be an area when you look at those, those spokes and I spend time with my clients. They figure it out on their own. I'm just there as their coach and their side-by-side kick. But that's it. They really do once people are given the opportunity to go there. Right. Nice. Very, very nice. So before we came on air, we had talked a little bit about recovering from trauma. And you had wanted to, to go oh, there a little bit, right? Yes, yes. I just wanted to say I know everybody's feeling this shift of energy right now. If you talk to a lot of people, they're feeling... A little off balance, stress, the stress is there, right? I think we had, so the idea is it's called post-traumatic growth um, is what the period is. And I want to acknowledge that because in post-traumatic growth period, which uh, just to highlight real quick, that COVID was what's called collective trauma because okay. we all had, we all witnessed it together. We Everybody has their own individual experiences in trauma. For instance, in Florida, everyone is witnessing their own trauma right then and there right everyone's witnessing their own trauma when we think about in in wars there but the idea is that's collective trauma when it impacts uh, a a society or even if you think about a communal tragedy if there's a shooting that impacts everyone differently in that dynamic but it's collective trauma Mm -hmm. so covid is that big global trauma that occurred um, and then we have this collective trauma that's that has happened and now we're in post-traumatic growth because we're literally back in a way um in a different uh, way that we are trying to process while we're trying to move forward um and so you're gonna see this idea of ramped up stress while things are being figured out and i just wanted to share that that's common everyone's going through it and to create spaces to allow people to express themselves that's a lot of why I actually, in all my check-ins on my meetings, are like, my latest is, what color are you feeling? My mm. husband was like, that's such a silly question. What do you mean? And I'm like, well, <laughs> you're the only one who doesn't want to do this, but everyone in my meetings is all excited. <laughs> but the idea of instead of how are you, like what color, it doesn't have to mean anything. Okay. My yellow could mean 
it doesn't matter. But the idea that they get to go there because colors and it's all fields of energy, right? And you, even the shirt that you chose today called you. Like, it's all fields of energy. So I just encourage people to set up spaces to just, even before starting meetings right now, just give people time to settle in. Tell them, take two minutes to go get coffee. Or I did that the other day on my call for, for some early childhood educators. It was dinner time, 6.30. I said, go take five minutes. I'm also going to go get myself water, like, legitimately, and then we'll start. And, like, giving people time to settle into the space there. And so we're not just rushing and missing the beat because being present has to be intentional, right? It's, it's about intentionality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I just want to remind everyone that intentionality comes from realizing that this is normal to be in this cycle of trying to figure out a lot of people having career changes, trying to yes. figure it. And while we're while there is fear of this recession, also preparation for how we prepare ourselves. So putting things into practice will help us to to really face the challenges that that do occur. And that's how that's how humans mobilize. Nice. Uh-huh. And you don't even have to do that just in a meeting. You just, okay, I came home from work. I'm going to yes. give myself a couple of minutes to totally. transition and then we're good. Do it in your personal, professional, and everyday life for sure. Awesome. So thank you so much for being with us here today. I learned a lot, and I hope that our listeners did too. And thank you folks out there who are listening in. Again, I am Dr. Felicia Mebin, Executive Director of the Center for Public Health Initiatives at Norfolk State University, and this is Health Healing in Hampton Roads.